Pastor, appreciate you letting me be here. I love your pastor. We're friends, and, and I know that uh, uh, you're blessed here. And uh, when we get together, when we're not even in church, we're talking about uh, how to make church better, how to make uh, uh, people respond to the gospel, how we can reach more people. And I'm so excited even about uh, uh, this church, uh, how high up on the list with the Assemblies of God that you are, I think, uh, with the missions giving. I don't, have you already told everybody that? Okay, I knew you could not brag about that. That's too good not, not to tell. But I, I think you're like 99th of all Assemblies of God in, in America. That's like 98. Okay, well, I miss, I don't know. But 98, you, you, you don't think that's a big deal. You think about, what, 30,000 churches plus in America, and you're 98, that's a great thing. I think you ought to give yourself a hand today, all right? Come on, give the Lord a hand clap, too, that he's helped you. Amen. All right, I'm going to read one verse and uh, out of Luke chapter 12. In verse number 5, uh, I, I'm going to speak to you. I know that this is a strong verse but uh, and not really uh, going to make you feel that good, but I'm going to make you feel better before we end, all right? Luke 12, 5, but I will warn you whom to fear. Fear him who after he is killed has authority to cast into hell. Yes, I tell you, fear him. Father God, in the name of Jesus, we ask today on this great day, Lord, that we celebrate Pentecost, that we celebrate the day of harvest. Uh, Lord, in the name of Jesus, we believe, Lord, for great things to come to pass. And today we're asking for great conviction to come into this place. Lord, that if there be one that is not living right and one that has sin in their life and one uh, that is far from you, that they would come close today, that they would draw near to you. Lord, that you would come into their life and bring great change. And we're asking for the gifts of the Spirit to be in operation that we may profit by their manifestation today. And, Lord, we believe uh, that this is the place of breakthrough. This is the place of liberty and freedom. And we believe, Lord, that uh, any distraction going on in the minds of people today, we bring every thought into captivity for the weapons of our warfare are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Be loosed in the name of Jesus, I pray. And everybody said, Amen. You may be seated today. This verse uh, is a reference really to the final judgment. And I, it says, I will warn you whom to fear. Fear whom, whom after he is killed has authority to cast into hell. Yes, I tell you, fear him. And I know that sometimes in the day that we live, that we don't really like this kind of a strong message because it brings fear. And I hear people say, you know, we shouldn't have fear. And yet uh, the Bible says we ought to fear him. And uh, this week I wasn't planning on using this at all. But as I was reading my Bible, this was one of the verses that popped out to me. And then if you read it and then you read it in the context two verses later, Jesus says, fear not. How does he say fear him and fear not? Well, those of us that are living right and those of us that have our sins washed by the blood of Jesus, we know we don't have to worry about 
fear of the final judgment, but yet we ought to live in reverence and fear to God. Even one of the most modern translations says it like this. It says, but I'll tell you whom to fear. Fear God who has the power to kill you and then throw you into hell. Yes, he's the one to fear. Fear God who has control over eternal consequences. And today I will be very clear. I cannot send you to hell, and I do not want to send you to hell. I want to stop as many people as I can from going there. And, uh, you know, today there are only two places that you will spend eternity. One of two places that you will spend eternity. And when I go around the world, many times I ask this question, and I say it's the most important question that could ever be asked. If you die, uh, where will you go, heaven or hell? So I ask that straight off this morning. I believe it is the most important question. And uh, so I'm asking today, if you died, would you go to heaven or hell? And when I ask that question around the world, I get a lot of answers. I get only God knows. And, well, the truth is, he's the one that has the power to send you to either place. But I was thinking that somehow we have more gadgets than we've ever had. I have in my bag, I got a cell phone, I got two iPads. Actually, I got two cell phones. I forgot about the one, my backup to my, uh, that I use in Haiti. I've got two cell phones, two iPads, and a computer. All in that bag. And other things that I won't tell you about. But you realize that we were talking the other day when Lori and I first began traveling this country. We used to have to go to Walmart and get this big Rand McNally map. I don't, I, and uh, we would, Lori would spend hours looking at it and saying, I think this is the best way to go. And now we have GPS on everything that we own. Even our car has GPS that we don't even turn it on. I don't know why we pay for it, but because we like the one on the phone the best. And yet, lately, I've been finding the one on the phone is saying, recalculating, recalculating. Last night, we came into town early, went somewhere to eat, and I knew which way to go to get uh, back to Arlington, and yet it had me go the other way and make a U-turn. And sometimes you'll get somewhere. We were going down to southeast Oklahoma one time, and it uh, it said, uh, uh, you know, it said there was no uh, uh, satellite available, and it finally had us going down a dirt road to go to this concert. And I knew that couldn't be right, and so we stopped. We stopped at this little gas station that, you know, looked like nobody had been there in years. And I went in and, and I asked the man behind the counter, I said, I'm trying to get over here to the Chickasaw Nation. They're having a concert there and we're trying to go to it. And, and uh, I think Mercy Me was going to be there and several others. They were having a big thing. And, and he said, well, and laughingly, he was like a real country boy. He said, you can't get there from here. 
And I said, well, that's true. GPS is telling me I can't get there from here. Well, we finally made it to the concert and and, uh, didn't go on a dirt road, but we found our way. But I believe today... When you say you can't get there from here, there should be one place from the grace place that you can't get to from here today. And I believe that no one should be able to get to hell from the grace place. And I believe in America we've made it too easy for people to get to hell. And I believe this nation should be told and this city should be told and the church should be told and your family should be told that you cannot get to hell from here. I want to read a story in Luke chapter 15. In verse number 11, we read about a young man that did everything he could do to get to hell. And I'm going to read it to you. You follow along. In verse 11, he said, There was a man who had two sons. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of property that is coming to me. And he divided his property between them. Verse 13. Not many days later, the younger son gathered all he had and took a journey into a far country. There he squandered his property in reckless living. And when he had spent everything, a severe famine arose in that country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country who sent him into his fields to feed pigs. And he was longing to be fed with the pods that the pigs ate, and no one gave him anything. I like that verse right there. I I think it's verse number uh, uh, 15 uh, or 16. He was longing to be fed with the pods that the pigs ate. I wonder if they were Tide Pods. All right, that's the best I have. All right. Verse 17. We're not endorsing that, by the way, okay? But when he came to himself... I love that verse. He said, how many of my uh, father's hired servants have more than enough bread, but I perish here with hunger. I will arise and go to my father and will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. And I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him felt compassion, ran, embraced him, and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven, and before you I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Bring quickly the best robe, put it on him, and put a ring on his hand, shoes on his feet, and bring the fattened calf and kill it, and let us eat and celebrate. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found, and they began to celebrate. Now we read this story And I believe the prodigal son did all he could do to get to hell. you got to understand, uh, according to biblical tradition, the older son would have got two-thirds of the property. The younger son would have got one-third. And the Bible said uh, that he asked for it, which was unusual. He had something in mind. And he took it and squandered it all, and we know uh, the story now that we've read it, but I believe he did everything he could do to get to hell. So I'm going to talk to you today about uh, really how not to go to hell. And I believe number one is very clear. You can't get to hell through closeness with God. You can't get to hell 
through closeness to God. We know the Bible says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. This week, we are going to get closer to him. We are going to get near him. And when we get close to him, God will get close to us. We read in 1 John chapter 1, verse 5 through 7, it says, This is the message we have heard from him and proclaim to you, that God is light. And in him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship or closeness with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship or closeness with one another. The blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. We know today that sin separates us. If we want to be near to God, it is not walk around in the darkness, but it is walk in the light. And we know today that sin separates, but fellowship or closeness cleanses. It is the blood of Jesus, that blood that we took the juice today, that blood was represented by that juice today, the blood that he shed on the cross of Calvary. We can apply that blood to our life and apply it to the sin in our life and we can be clean. Somebody say amen. We know the word of God says do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers for what partnership or fellowship or closeness has righteousness with lawlessness or what fellowship has light with darkness. Uh, I believe uh, the truth today, we don't need to see how close we can live to the world, but we need to see how close we can get to God. The Word says, He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. It goes on to say, He's my refuge, my fortress, my God in Him will I trust. I have found there is safety as I am close to him. Today, I know that some people don't really like closeness with God because fellowship brings conviction. And and I think that I've noticed something. Lori and I were talking, and we were talking about a friend of ours that uh, used to be red hot on fire for God, and it seems like they have uh, drifted. And uh, she asked me a question. She said, have you talked to him very much? And I said, well, I try, but he won't answer his phone. He, he doesn't return text messages. Now, I am not God. Everybody say amen to that. I'm trying to be the general manager of the universe, but that's not working out very good either. But I'm not God. But because I am a minister, I think to some people I represent him, and I do. But I think that sometimes we have found in our life that we have friends that seem to drift away from us, and it's because they have drifted away from God. Now, let me explain that to you. When Adam and Eve sinned, they had fellowship every day or closeness with God in the garden in the afternoon. But after they had sinned, the Bible says they hid themselves from the presence of God. But when they got in fellowship or closeness with God, that's when the conviction came. They knew that they were naked. Now listen to me. 
You might say, well, uh, you're making me a little bit uncomfortable today preaching the way you are, but I'm going to say I could preach on daisies and the presence of God would still make the sinner uncomfortable. So you say, how do you know I'm not close to God? Some of you used to praise with a vitality and some of you used to want to pray and read his word but no longer are you wanting there. You've lost that closeness with God. I say today, today's the day to get close to him. I heard an old story about a little boy. little boy was afraid of the dark. And... Uh, these people lived out in the country, and they had a cellar. I don't know if you even know what a cellar is anymore, but uh, I remember going to the cellar uh, when I was a little boy, and uh, the ladies in my dad's church out in the country, they would can things, and they would have pickles in there canned, and they would have, uh, you know, uh, different peaches and fruits canned down there. And this mom, and they'd have jelly and jam. This mom said, look, we're out of jam and jelly can you go to the cellar and get me a jar of jelly? The little boy said, Mom, you know I'm afraid of the dark. We're talking about a cellar, and in those days a cellar didn't really have a light. You either had a candle or you had a flashlight. She said, look, son, I really need this jelly, and she assured him that everything was going to be okay because God was in the cellar because he's everywhere. So the little boy went to the cellar. He walked down the steps, and he got to the bottom, and he began to pray. He folded his hands together, and he closed his eyes, and he said, God, I know you're in here, but don't move because if you do, you'll scare me to death. And I think there's some people that come to church like that that they're afraid to get close to God because they do not like how he moves. And he may move this week and he may speak to you and tell you to change some things. The bottom line today is God is going to invade your life today. Listen, number two, you can't get to hell through closeness with God's people. In Luke 15 and 15, you'll find that the prodigal son he did everything he knew to do to get to hell. He went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country who sent him into his field to feed pigs. One translation reads like this. He went and joined himself to a citizen of that country. <coughs> now, if I were to ask you today, how many believe that Jesus is coming soon? I would think most of you would agree. How many believe Jesus is coming soon? And yet, we read a story here that this young man tried to get away from God. In Hebrews 10, 25, it says, Not neglecting to meet together as the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near, the day of his coming. We should gather together more uh, for the Word and worship more often. How many know that this is not the time to isolate yourself? You know, we have clubs and fraternities. 
that many of us have been a part of, and some of them do good deeds around the world, and they help each other. Some of them help their members get connected with more people so they can get a better job and hook up. But they are usually, uh, these clubs and fraternities, you're usually invited, and then you make a commitment to join them. Over 30 years ago, I was in a fraternity at a university just a little bit north, and I will tell you, we helped each other. We didn't help each other like the way I talked. At my fraternity, it was mostly like this, drink this, smoke this, try this, and I'm going to be real plain with you, I think we helped each other to go to hell. You find that this prodigal, he joined himself to a citizen of that country. And I believe the prodigal was keeping company with the wrong people, with the wrong group, sticking around with unsuitable people. So I ask you today, who are you hanging with? You need the fellowship of the people from the grace place, and you need the fellowship of the people uh, uh, that are under the blood of Jesus. Today, what do your friends look like? Are the people you spend your time with pointing you in the right direction? Are they pointing you toward God? Are they pointing you to Jesus? Are they pointing you to the Holy Spirit? Proverbs 16, 25 says, There is a way that seems right to a man, but the end is the way to death. I don't know who you're hanging with. I'm going to tell you, I had a time in my life where my friends were pointing me toward death. The wages of sin is death. But this church today is here to help people and help each other to go to heaven. We're pointing people to the cross. We're pointing people to heaven. We're pointing people to salvation. I read a story in Acts chapter 16. feel kind of dry this morning. I don't know. The devil's a liar. It's raining out. I should have plenty of moisture, right? I read a story in Acts chapter 16 and verse number 25. We read about Paul and Silas. They're thrown into jail. They were beaten. They were stripped naked. They were left for dead. They're going to be killed the next day. But verse 25 says, And at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. I don't know, but I think Paul and Silas had an attitude that we ought to have. No matter what our situation is, there's people around us. And I don't care what kind of bad situation I'm in. They were saying, these prisoners will not get to hell through us. I think today I'm trying to get your priority back uh, to this, that we need to snatch people out of the very fire of the flame of hell. We need to do all that we can to keep people from going to a place that God never intended for them to go. Number three, you can't get to hell from a godly home. In Luke 15, 13, the prodigal He took a journey into a far country. He squandered his property in reckless living. 
I always wondered, why did he go to a far country? I think he knew that his, he couldn't get reckless living at home. He had to go where his mama didn't have him tracked on her phone. I'm going to go to a far country. And I think that sometimes people try to get away from God. And they don't want God's authority. When people want to get away from God's authority, they want to do whatever they want, and that is called rebellion. Listen to me. We say, well, we have a godly home. But you know what? I, I think in America... Most of us wouldn't let a guest come in our home and just commit adultery in the front room. Most of us wouldn't let a guest come in and take the Lord's name in vain more than once. Most of us wouldn't let people break the Ten Commandments in our home without consequences. But I'm going to be real hard here. But many of us will go home and watch a movie or a program that shows our family the quickest way to get to hell. Some of you are saying, you're kind of preaching mean, aren't you? Don't you preach love? Well, yes, I preach love. 1 John 2, 15, do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. I'm a love preacher. See, those in your house ought to have to go very far. They ought to have to go to a far country to get to hell. They shouldn't even live close to home and be able to get to hell. Let me tell you a story. I was 15 years old. I'd been to youth camp and at the altar God dealt with my heart. I knew I was called to preach. But my grandfather was a preacher. My dad was a preacher and I didn't want to be a preacher. So I did everything I could for the next four years to disqualify myself from preaching. I'm 15 years old. My best friend was the Southern Baptist pastor's son in town. So it's the Assemblies of God pastor and the Baptist pastor's son. All right? And we were both a mess. He would come to our church on Sunday night because he said their church was boring. He said you never knew what would happen at our church on Sunday night. And we were having revival. Right, a, 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 like a breakthrough conference. And we were having one of the most strict preachers known to that day preaching, Don Brink. You remember him? He's preaching, and after church, you know, the word just bounced off me like it's bouncing off of some of you today. And we got in his car, and he said, what do you want to do? I said, well, let's go to Sonic. We went to Sonic, got a foot long. And he said, what do you want to do now? I said, I don't know. He said, and, and I, I'm not suggesting you go do this. I'm just telling you a story, okay? I'm trying to disqualify myself from ministry. He said, let's go smoke some dope. I'm 15. He's barely able to drive. I said, Sounds good to me. Now, we were, at those days, if you smoked, you got kicked off the ball team. So we were worried about getting caught smoking, but we didn't care, you know, if we did it. Does that make sense? He said, 
where do you want to do it? I said, well, I, I don't want to do it where anybody will see us. We'll get kicked off the ball team. Even in those days, the public school wouldn't let you do stuff at home. Are you understanding me? I said, let's go to my mom and dad's house. This is the mindset I had. I said, they're out with the evangelist. They're going to go eat a steak. And I, it won't be a problem. They won't be home for hours. So we go to the house. We go in the garage. We proceed to light up like we're Cheech and Chong. Are you understanding this? This wasn't medical marijuana. And I mean, I, I could look out the window of the garage and we lived on a hill. And my, my buddy and I are there. And he go, and we could see into town. We lived on the edge of town. He said, that looks like your parents' car about a mile away. I said, nah, they won't be here for hours. Comes to the corner. He said, I'm pretty sure that's your parents' car. I said, you're paranoid. That car turns onto our street, pulls in the driveway. I said, it's my parents. He said, what are you going to do? I said, get in your car and go home. I said, I'll think of something. But shut the door to the garage. So I pull the cord to the garage so they can't open the garage. And I'm trying to think, so I go lock myself in the bathroom. And my dad and mom come in, and they had to come in the front door, and they're, my dad's checking the furnace. He's checking everything because he's smelling smoke. And he's, he raps on the door, not just like, but I mean, bam, 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 bam. He said, Doug. I said, just a minute. I'm busy. He said, no, you need to get out here right now. Now, I want to tell you something. I never lied to my parents because we were taught in church that all liars have their place in the lake of fire. But I, I, I didn't read anything about marijuana, I guess. I finally come out the door, and he said, Doug, what's been going on here? Because when my buddy left, he was like Eddie Haskell, you know, he just said, see you, Mr. and Mrs. Eccles, and got in his car and went. He said, what have you and Dale been doing? I said, oh, I, I knew I was in trouble, so I, I made up a small lie. I said, well, we've been smoking cigars in the garage. I knew that'd get me in big trouble, but not near as bad as the other. He points his finger at me. He said, I know what a cigar smells like, son. He goes, you're lying to me. He sat down on the bed in his bedroom. He said to my mother, my mom's name is Dorothy. He said, Dorothy, get me the phone book. She handed him the phone book. He said, get me, he said, uh, get me Harvey Rutherford's phone number. Now that doesn't mean anything to anybody in here. But Harvey Rutherford was a highway patrolman in my dad's church. He said, I'm calling him. I said, Dad, why are you calling him? He said, look, in those days you had a son that you were a preacher's son and you smoked dope. The church would probably vote you out. He said, it may cause us trouble. 
He said, it may get me in trouble. He, he said, it may get us sent down the road. But he said, you're not going to get to hell from my house. I reached over and pushed that little phone, the little receiver down. I began to tell him the whole truth and nothing but the truth. So help me, God. He called my friend's dad, the Baptist preacher's son's dad. He came out to our house and they prayed. But I believe when he said, you won't get to hell from this house, I understood. I believe we need to take a stand. And we need to understand that in Acts chapter 2, when the day of Pentecost was fully come, that the Holy Spirit filled all the house. I believe it's time that we fill our house with the atmosphere of God. We fill our house with the Spirit of God. Maybe you have a hell raiser in your home. It's time to raise a little bit of heaven. In Luke 15, I'm closing with this. The prodigal son who did everything he knew to get to hell. In verse 17, when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread, but I perish here with hunger? This young man began to remember what the father's house was like. He recognized the condition he was in. And I'm asking you today, what condition are you in spiritually? I want everybody to stand with me today. Today we said, nobody ought to be able to get to hell from the grace place. But the truth is, we do everything we can, but we let the Holy Spirit do all He can. The Bible says that this young man, he came to his senses. I pray that somebody here will come to their senses. I don't know what you're running from. Maybe you've run from God. Maybe you're far away from him. You're not as close to him as you should be. You've got sin in your life. When he took one step toward the Father, it says when he was a great way off, his Father saw him. See, today we have a loving Father. We have a Father, and that is a picture of mercy to me. You understand? I'm 15 years old, smoking dope. I'm going to tell you, I should have went to hell. But I took a step back toward the Father, and He was looking for me. I was 16 years old, not doing so good. 17, 18, but at 19... I finally came to my senses. Three things I'm going to tell you today. You will stand before a holy God. You will be judged for the way you lived on this earth. And you will spend eternity, number three, in heaven or hell. What's it going to be for you?